0: Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news, What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Michael Gold Jr. That is me. With me, as always, super producer Brandon Newman, and back for another Wilder Wednesday. Charlotte Wilder, friends, how we doing?
2: Well, as I told you both before we began recording this podcast, I'm in a silly mood today.
1: What's got you all <laughs> silly, Charlotte?
2: Nothing. I'm just feeling. I'm just feeling a little silly. A
1: little goosey.
2: This is why. When someone gives me like a CBD gummy, I immediately think I'm extremely high. Cause this is me on
0: nothing. <laughs> this is the control in the experiment. This is
2: a control. You give me a gummy bear and I'm immediately gonna be like, what was in that? <laughs> You'll be like, well, a lot of high fructose corn syrup. And you. A, a little you. bit of marijuana.
1: You told us that you had sushi for dinner is it, mm-hmm. uh, was the soy sauce a little fermented?
2: No, it was very salty though because I can't stop chugging water.
1: <laughs>
2: it could have been though. That could be That's it. Normal. Let's call it that.
0: And as Charlotte, you announcing you're in a silly mood is 100% the thing that a person who has spent as much time around the Muppet brand as you have would say.
2: The actually, oh I, bl- I think that's probably a direct quote from a Muppet. I think they've probably opened Sesame Street with, how are you, Elmo? And he's like, I'm a silly bird." <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's actually a
0: wicked Elmo impression. Thank Don't you. Don't let me start it. I, can, I mean, you want me to top it right now? Uh, Brandon, if your Elmo impression is anything like the rest of the accents that you tend to use on this podcast, <laughs> I am very excited to hear this. Ah, uh, Mike, you're such an idiot, <laughs> uh, Elmo loves Charlotte. Elmo loves what Charlotte did really, really silly. Uh-huh. Come on, Charlotte. Be really oh silly God. for us. Uh-huh. Holy uh, shit. That was so... Are
2: you Elmo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gassing you up. That was legitimately... Remarkable. Oh,
1: thank you, Charlotte. Oh,
2: no, no, no. Now,
0: now it's getting weird. Now it's getting I, I, weird. I can see why they opted for puppets, because anyone watching on YouTube sees the face required to make that voice, and it is disturbing when paired with the sound. Nightmare. But Brandon, you have, a you have a very handsome face, Brandon, and that was a great impression, but when you pair them with the almost cartoonish Cheshire Cat-like grin that it's goes like with this. making that voice...
2: Anyway, no one listening can see that.
0: But it's like
2: there was was a slight underbite and a very exaggerated smile involved. It was unsettling. uh,
1: This is a a decent segue. Have you guys gotten in trouble for
0: being too silly growing up? Because it was a staple for me. Constantly. Yeah, I was simultaneously the oldest child and a talker, which is not surprising Uh to anybody that knows me in this line of work. But when you're the oldest kid and you're the Gabby one, anytime you get around adults, you think it's the Michael Jr. show. You think it's your chance to show out and try and make them all laugh, not realizing that you don't know about half the words you're trying to use while you're making them laugh.
2: There's a beautiful full circle moment to you saying that on the Gojo show of Michael
0: Jr. know. <laughs> I was just thinking
2: that. I'm like, yeah, literally, this is what that is right now you're oh, talking we're, to adults on the michael yeah,
1: we probably skew a little bit older than we do younger so you're, you're still at it <laughs>
0: oh man um, some things but yes, to,
2: to answer your question i got kicked out of like multiple class i also i went to an all-girls school and which so i thought I, I was like the class clown i thought i was there were no boys to compete with which was often my competition when i was at public school before that and so I really just took that mantle and ran with it and I once um, I mean to give you an idea of how prep school my prep school was I took Latin for six years and in Latin Mm -hmm. class we're learning about the planets and um, I raised my hand she was like so Mars was actually named after jupiter the lord of war but you know in the greeks it was mars so and i raised my hand and i said i asked who is uranus named after <laughs> and i and i laughed i was laughing so hard because i didn't i like actually didn't mean it at, but i heard myself say it and then i was like oh this is and i was crying i was laughing so hard i got kicked out she let me back into the classroom and i just came in like burst into tears laughing and then they had to kick me out again
0: You got kicked out of class twice for the same joke? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) because I couldn't settle down. (laughs) Oh... That is the best kind of laughter, though, where you just can't bottle it back up. Once the lid pops off, it's a wrap. And the next time you make eye contact with anybody that you know, that's always the kiss of death, right? Because your friends in the same boat trying not to laugh. For me, it would always, always, always happen at the Catholic high school I went to during the mass during school. Once a month, we would have mass during D period and Always during one of the quiet parts would be some messed up joke that me and my friends were laughing at earlier, and you'd be sitting there during the homily trying not to make eye contact and all of a sudden you barf all over yourself.
2: <laughs> I like have that feeling now, thinking about it, it was always because at times you weren't supposed to be laughing was when it was absolutely always funny. That's
1: the best ingredients for laughter is
0: you're not supposed to be laughing. It just it just heightens everything so much. Is oh, yeah. the best place to do that then is probably like church or a funeral, right?
2: Uh oh gosh, I was just, I was going to tell a dark story that I'm not really I don't think I'm not going to tell but I have laughed uncontrollably.
0: I mean at a funeral? Yeah, but We all it, grieve differently. There's nothing yeah, wrong exactly. with that. exactly. And it wasn't um who sings that song one day. I'm a kind of uh, guy uh, that laughs at a funeral. Oh. oh, it's been one ladies. week since, you, yeah, Bare Naked Ladies. Chicken, is there something Bare- about
2: chicken in that song?
0: Um, yeah, Chickadee China, the Chinese chicken, had a drumstick mm. and your brain stops ticking. Didn't watch an Watching X-Files with well. the lights on. Yeah, that let's, didn't uh, age well.
2: Maybe we, let's, yeah.
0: Let's transfer to the Chicken Fried, Zach Brown band.
1: Um, but one time when I got in trouble from being too silly, I think I was just running around the house in underwear and shoes on. And I was like 11, just like making myself laugh. And my dad like set me down in the kitchen after like passing a couple of times. He said, Brandon, you're about my size, right? And I was like, yeah. He was like, it looked pretty silly. excuse me. It would look pretty silly if I was running around in underwear with just shoes on, singing the songs you're singing and hitting myself like you're doing, right? I was like, (laughs) I started laughing. I was like, yeah, it would be kind of silly. He said, dial it back a little bit,
0: son. (gasps) Okay.
2: Okay. oh that's like that's like one of the most intense things I've ever heard
0: that's a military dad
1: <laughs> yeah I mean that, was, that that's how the message got got home and I was like hmm I'm, I'm,
0: also I'm, I'm, I love I'm, the idea of it like not being you as a kid but like your big ass when you're like a grown enough kid
1: <laughs> to where like <laughs> I mean I' say I, I was in seventh grade I was two sixty five so I was like I was in sixth grade. So Wait, say that again. You were how big? 265 in seventh grade. Two sixty five. How tall were you? 255. Around this height, probably six foot. 5/11, something
2: that's, like that that that's gotta kind of mess with you a little bit because you're still a little kid and people I, are I like mean, you're an adult.
1: Charlotte, don't even get me started. When I started riding training wheels, the streets of Detroit were not kind. It's like big ass. <laughs> 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 like, oh, real. Get your ass off there! Oh, I'm like that? I'm of
0: age, sirs. I'm of age, current gangbangers. <laughs> <laughs> that that reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from anyone on our college football team. James Aldridge, our running back, one time, Chris Stewart was an offensive guard for us oh, who was about man. 6'5", 350 pounds on a light day. Chris was a big dude, Houston Texans' very own, Klein High School's pride and joy. Chris was a big man and Chris liked to mess around though and have fun and at one point he either like tried to like jump on James' back or do something like that and James who was the nicest person ever snapped at him and said Chris get out of here you're too big to have fun <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Chris! It was right, he, was he was right cr- though. He was too big to have fun. Yeah. Chris is that's way like, too big to have fun.
2: That's like when when a puppy it is the size of a dog, but it's still a puppy. And that's like uh, just mayhem.
0: Yes. Oh my god. We we got a great show for you guys today here. Uh plenty of stuff coming up on the NCAA front here. A ruling coming down. The first NIL infraction penalty that we have doled out from the NC2A as they try and get their stuff together. Plus some interesting sound bites from the NFL Combine already. And your most uncomfortable movie movie going experiences um, as always make sure you download subscribe rate and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast leave us a five-star rating leave us a review and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo of Michael Jr. tab so you can see Brandon's face when he was doing the Elmo voice and understand exactly what we were talking about because it was deeply deeply disturbing. Um. Oh, Charlotte, before we get to all of that, though, as often you come with surprises and varying gifts on Wilder Wednesday, and you said you had a reality TV show take that you needed to get <laughs> off your chest right now, so I want to make sure we give you the floor for that.
2: Thank you so much, uh, Michael. So, um, you are, we started our careers um, both being invested in The Bachelor, I believe. Is that correct?
1: Oh, yeah. Um,
2: Brandon, were you a Bachelor watcher?
1: No, my first season was Sean Lowe. Uh, it was an amazing oh. season. I got in and got out. But I've I've, I've been okay, casual, yeah. casually watching the Bachelor and Bachelorette.
2: Well, so the, my whole thing was that the Bachelor is sports. Like I firmly yes. believe that reality television is sports and could be, like you could have a whole. I mean. It is. It just is. Don't make me explain it. Oh, at, reality at one, television is at,
0: at one point the ESPN fantasy app, while I was working there, had a bachelor fantasy game. Yes. And me, Matthew Barry, and Stefania Bell did a bachelor fantasy podcast weekly for the worldwide leader in sports. So Charlotte, your seal of approval is one hundred percent spot on.
2: Yes. Okay. Good. Thank you. So now that we've established that, that was. I just want anyone listening to know that this is a sports-related discussion. Um, so recently, though, I feel like Netflix has taken the mantle of reality dating show um top dog from abc the bachelor is no longer relevant in my opinion why would you watch one guy date 30 girls when the whole because the problem is the whole show turns into the women fighting with each other or the men fighting with each other and it's like we all lived through high school i don't need to see this again um yeah
0: hot take by the way the bachelor is slowly just becoming a way for adult men to make friends that's what I figured yes. out because everywhere you see the former bachelorette contestant. So when it's 30 guys competing for one woman, they're all together at every event you see, they're all palling around together because as adult men, it's hard to make friends sometimes. So they put them in this house with unlimited food, booze and workout material and get them to bond over the few simple things that guys can talk about. And then they have friends to work with in the wild after this. So actually a show about adult friendship. There we go. As a segue into, but you're absolutely right, Charlotte. I agree with you.
2: And the same goes, the same goes for the women, which maybe makes me think they should turn it into some best friend reality show and just really throw a wrench in that whole friendship dynamic. Um, but netflix i mean love is blind i have i the season comes out love is blind comes out the day before my birthday and then succession comes out the day after my birthday so Ooh. i might believe in god but what i'm trying to say there's a show on netflix <laughs> called the perfect match and it brings in a bunch of i don't know if anyone's watching this i haven't seen much
1: i haven't seen talk it.
2: about this i haven't seen it hasn't like gained traction yet i don't think i don't know um But it is, it takes former contestants from the Netflix reality show world, like Love is Blind, The Circle, uh, The Mole, like The Circle France. I didn't watch The Circle, but I watched Love is Blind, 20 somethings Austin. I watched that. Basically, it's validation for anyone who has like rotted their brain watching all of this because you're like, oh, that is so, that is such a shame thing to say. And they all compete basically it's like a house of musical chairs because one night it'll be five guys and seven girls and then the guys choose the women and then the two women who don't have a match have to leave but then they'll bring in two other men and then there'll be seven men and five women and then the women choose and there's like strategy involved and like how you're choosing your match but there are also people who are definitely into each other and it's like it, it it's it's the best reality dating show on television is my is my hot take
0: It sounds like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, it sounds like all-star game format for Bachelor in Paradise. If you essentially took the Bachelor in Paradise model, but went all-star game format where you got to pluck from a variety of different reality shows, which is viewed as, by and large, the best Bachelor Bachelorette franchise or show that people gravitate towards. So it's the right model, and like you said, you get to source from all of these different places and all these different big personalities.
2: Yes, and I think that you guys should watch it, and then the next time I'm on, we should talk about one or two, uh, or in two weeks or three weeks, who's to say? It's timeless.
1: I'm I'm ready to jump in. I'm ready to jump in. This this article that I'm reading on Men's Health has has me <laughs> has me pulled in as much as your description of it, bringing Bad. together the flirty, fun relationship drama of dating shows like Love Is Blind and Too Hot to Handle, with a competitive clash of challenge-based elimination shows where the biggest, boldest personalities come out to play.
2: It's basically Survivor, but dating.
0: I'm also amazed. It's a, mm, just unbelievable. Be, just because I haven't, I've started cutting my own hair since I'm bald now. So I just shave my head like once or twice a week. I haven't gone to a barber shop in years, which is why I haven't seen or read a men's health in that long. Because the only <laughs> place in my world that those exist is at the magazine rack at a haircut place.
2: Definitely. Definitely. Oh
0: man. All right. So uh, we're going to become a perfect match pod. We've already been a, the last of us podcast, which we'll have the review for that coming up on Thursday's pod as it's loosely become tradition for this now. So it adds a nice little wrinkle to Wednesdays. Can I say, Just
2: you know, we don't have to, it doesn't have to take up a ton of time. I just, I just think everyone would have a lot of fun if they let themselves drift off into this world for an hour or so at a
1: time. Can I ask you a very respectful question? Yeah, because your eyes are your windows to your soul, and you got to keep your eyes clean. Sometimes, and that, sometimes I don't want smut. How horny is this show?
2: Not because I don't
1: watch too. Ho- I don't watch. I don't watch too hot to handle. I watched the first season of it, and it was just. It was too hot to handle.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is not too hot. Okay. This is you want. I don't feel gross. The only time I feel gross is when they show people kissing for too long because I hate watching people kiss on. I just think it's gross. Is
1: it, is it like real world world rule challenge, world rules challenge, like that level of like just scantily clad, but no, no grinding.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Okay. No, 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 like no, like black, black light can't like the, the, over no, the no, covers no. insinuating.
2: No, none of that. Okay. None of that. <laughs> and I mean, like it's tasteful.
0: Okay. Mike, what is wrong with you? Well, no, one, the notion that Brandon Newman, who everyone has come to yeah. know on this podcast, Who's asked if something Maine. was too horny. The man it's who is bit. branded as horny on Maine asked for that. And then, while asking if it was too horny, proceeded to ask for hornier and hornier details. Like, oh, do they go into <laughs> the covers? Are they... Scantily clad, leaving something to the imagination, but still a lot to (laughs) offer to the screen.
2: I will say they wear a lot of thongs, so there's not always like a lot left to the imagination, but you can see most people's butts. But that's about as I'd say that is
0: men's health. So he's
1: seen a lot of butts. (laughs) I'm I'm someone who likes to watch reality TV sometimes with my mother. So I like I need I need to know. I need to know if there's like, you know, the cover your eyes scenes. Uh, okay. Maybe. Okay. Let's move on. Well, we we okay. can move on, we'll, we'll but watch. Netflix is kicking ass though. Because because yes. they, Tan, I don't know if you guys remember uh, Queer Eye, but Tan France has a yeah. a, a show where he gets people uh, dressed, and it's no like way. A,
2: he has his own spinoff.
1: Oh, he, you haven't seen his 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 uh, show? I'm
2: obsessed with him. He's my favorite. He's my top oh, his, queer uh, oh Queer Eye gosh, guy.
1: Need, yes. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I want to this Mike. I have to say before before we move on. What's the name of the show? F. Next F. in Fashion. Next in Fashion. Oh, Next whoa, whoa. Fashion. I watched that.
2: Sorry, I watched wasn't that. It,
1: wasn't it so good? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So
0: good. So good. Season two is coming. Okay. I We're can't wait. Season two in the works. So again, if you want to get early to market on Perfect Match and join us in Charlotte Wilder, this is your opportunity. This is the Olive Ranch being extended to the future of reality dating television here. We're introducing and bringing back more of the competition because again, reality dating shows, 100% Charlotte Wilder approved sports. Uh, Um. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Speaking of sports guys, I have been excited to talk about this since last Friday when it was announced that the NCAA would issue its first sanctions related to name, image, and likeness for college athletics. It was on Friday, and they hit the Miami women's basketball program with a year of probation, a fine, and a three-game suspension for their head coach that had already been served as a result of Haley and Hannah Cavender, two of the most high-profile twins in college basketball who had transferred to Miami, apparently because of their contact with at now very well known Miami alum and booster John Ruiz, who has been, I would argue, one of the early faces of the name, image, and likeness and collective conversation that's been getting college athletes paid up. So Charlotte, I wanna ask you I wanna ask you this because my first read when I saw this was An organization like the NCAA that has historically not been very self-aware and has often backed its way into some pretty dumb headlines for itself. I Mm -hmm. thought it done that once again here because choosing this to be the first place that you would punish someone for a name, image, and likeness related infraction. While we have got so many things that have been out there in the world of men's collegiate sports, especially in the big money sports like men's college basketball and football. To go and have this punishment come down on women's college basketball, the sport that you had just very publicly undervalued, underfunded in the NCAA tournament stage not a couple of years ago, seemed Mm -hmm. like a headline that was going to bite them in the ass. I've been stunned at how little blowback there's been there. So what was your reaction initially when this came out?
2: I mean, my reaction is that I think – it's the wild, wild west out there in terms of NIL deals. And I people say that there need to be more sanctions or streamlined or figured out or rules or guidelines. I just frankly don't see how that's possible. And to tell you the truth, I don't really care. Because if these kids are getting paid phenomenal i'm sorry i really don't i don't think that there's any argument to be made i don't think there ever was an argument to be made about the purity of college sports and now that you have officially allowed this how can you say well that but that's not allowed. like how why on earth shouldn't you at this point be able to tell someone hey i am a i am a booster business owner if you go to this school i'll give you an nil deal like what do they think is gonna happen it's like I think that it it makes me it's just like blows my mind that there is still that sort of purity language around this to tell you the truth because yes i understand that if you start allowing boosters to recruit kids or be like hey i'll pay you if you come here if you officially allow that it changes the entire landscape of the entire sport transfer portal gets even more nuts than it already is but that's already happening that's already happening. That was happening before they sanctioned this. It's just like the most bizarre rule to come down on. And I think this case—I I did some research into this case. The the guy who um, they are saying has done the infraction. Well, he didn't get punished. Like only the only the women's basketball coach got punished.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna say it should be clear in this as far as the punishment that came down. The players were not punished here in the Cavender twins and John Ruiz, the booster, was not forced to disassociate, which is essentially the NCAA coming in and saying this booster is no longer allowed to support this program anymore. So they came and did the absolute bare minimum on this because that's the only thing they could get away with here they had text messages from the head coach of this team helping facilitate a dinner between the Cavender twins and John Ruiz but they didn't have any documentation of him trying to incentivize them to come there and no documentation of any other impropriety they essentially had text messages and then a picture of the Cavenders out at dinner with John Ruiz and that's it so the only thing they could do because Miami cooperated which is a big part of this Miami came in and said here's what we know we're sorry, this was a mistake. Uh, you know, the coach came out and basically said at a time where the rules were changing a lot, we weren't aware that this was a problem. In the future, we won't do this. Yada, yada, yada. So, yes, it was the bare minimum punishment-wise because that's all they had enough evidence to prove.
2: Right, and Katie Meyer, the, the women's basketball coach at UMiami is like, I'm not trying to break these rules. Like, how is she supposed... Like, You could also argue that before NIL that this could have been a standard practice before that law went into effect it's like you want to go to the school meet this wealthy alum he'll like there there's nothing that i find especially egregious about it except for the fact that after the fact they sure they signed with him but he he pays every single football player on that team basically from i found a i found a list of um his the total payments that his company LifeWallet has paid out. Um, the the most famous one is eight hundred thousand dollars plus a car to Nigel Pack, a, a um, Miami men's basketball Men player. Yeah, which is a very but, high
0: profile case that was. You know, I shouldn't say case. It was a very high profile like public negotiation that almost went on with that particular player. So yes, that's a that was one of the big ones early on.
2: Right. But then if you look at the the list of football player, I mean, he's giving like the long snapper even gets twenty five hundred bucks. But then like a wide receiver gets forty five grand, like a safety gets forty three thousand. I mean, it's like the problem. It's just so insane to me to come down on this one coach and be like, tisk tisk when this is something that's so much bigger.
1: So well, it's, w- my, my issue as well is that it's a, a female. It's a, it's a woman's coach. Coaching women's basketball and the sanction—the first NIL sanction that's getting handed out from the NCAA—is on a women's sport with all the money that's been sitting around with college basketball for men's, yes. uh, with the the football teams around the country. That that's why it feels dirty to me is that the NCAA is trying to to bite a hand that's it, not that it's wounded already, but this Kate, Katie Meyer had a suspension. Last year, from the NCAA, just from uh, cooperating with the NCAA probe, like they, they, it's low-hanging fruit for them to pick on yes. this franchise, this this part of the the this part of the the department of the of the university as a whole, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, this is exactly what it is. Is it was the easy opportunity for them. Everything else is going to be very complicated. So much so that in January, the NCAA changed the rule about the burden of proof. In this case, because this happened before that rule change, the Cavender Twins of Miami basketball were considered innocent until proven guilty by the NCAA. In January, they flipped that to where now the burden of proof, if they believe they've got evidence that you did something wrong, now the school and the team have to prove their innocence. They flipped it around because as far as why someone would want this punished, This is a calls coming from inside the house situation. There are coaches, administrators, and people at some of the schools with lesser funds that are doing it by their definitions, and I am heavily air quoting the right way, meaning they don't have the resources to compete with some of these programs that have this outside money that's flooded in to help pay players. They've looked at this and said, hey, we got to get a handle on this. Because I can understand to an extent from the administration side, they do not have a lot of control over these outside boosters. At least right now, that was part of the issue that happened at Florida Football with Jaden Rashada. You had two outside booster groups that were supposed to come together and get this kid paid up, and then one of them decided to drop out, and you end up looking very silly in public while this is all going on. So... You don't have a lot of control as the school. You've got a lot of new things to keep track of. And they've been drowning in it right now. Everyone's still learning how this system works. The bottom line of this comes down to what Brandon brought up, though, about it being low hanging fruit is this was the one thing they actually could punish because someone cooperated with them. And because you had a coach that had actual text message documentation of this, like if there's a lesson to be taken from this going forward, it's. You just got to be a little cleaner covering your tracks like every college athletics program should be forced to watch Better Call Saul and learn how to use (laughs) a burner because you shouldn't have evidence of that. My biggest Charlotte, you talked about how kind of difficult this is to pin down, right? What's to stop someone recruiting a player from saying, hey, we're not going to offer you X, Y or Z. But here's exactly what a player of your caliber, at your position, at this school, could make. And here's who you'd get the money from. Here's this... You know, collective that we can list on our school website because schools are allowed to be associated with them. This is where you're going to get all that money. This is exactly how much you'd get paid based on what rating you were as a player and what part position you play and where we're going as a program. This is what you would get if you were a, an athlete at our school because you could pay the players that you got on campus. These collectives can grease the palms of players on campus once they're there. It's just this idea that's an inducement for recruiting. And again, because of that gray area I just described, to me, it should be impossible to prove, especially yes. as you get more third parties, you get NIL agents representing these high school kids. You have these collectives that are now still separate from the school in a lot of ways that can also be an added buffer in the conversations about compensation once these players get to campus.
2: Yeah, that's, that, that's exactly my point about like, who's to say that dinner? is what did it who's to say like and and i I think my problem i have two things coming off of this one who's who's to say that the kids themselves won't go on the internet look it up dm current players say what do you make here what do you make there it's like it's market value it's a free you have created a free market and then you're getting mad at people for existing within that system and that is what feels like total bullshit to me and i also don't think it's any accident and this might sound very cynical, but maybe I've been a woman in sports for too long. I don't think it is any accident that it is on two of the highest profile women basketball players Paige Beckers, who I believe is still the highest paid college athlete, although I'm not sure because she's been hurt. Um, at yeah, she's on women's basketball.
0: Her Definitely name, Olivia, Olivia Dunn from LSU's gymnastics team, yes. the Cavender twins have been, especially among women's college, and really so, for them, they've the Cavender twins have been top five in earnings for NIL by almost any conceivable metric.
2: Right. So you look at that, and you look at how many women are the top earners, more than football players, more than this, and, and, and the, the sports world, which is like the last bastion of masculinity for so many people, probably excuse my language probably fucking hates that it people do not like when women succeed in spaces that are supposed to quote be for men and so these schools and these boosters and these people and and these administrators everyone's had to watch these young you know unbelievably talented women get paid more often than than men are as individuals and I think it is absolutely no accident whether it's subconscious or not that the first punishment to be handed down is to a women's basketball
0: And even if that wasn't a directive, the fact that they would allow that optically to seep out with the background we talked about of them messing up the bag on the women's tournament so recently, that's the part that just, the juice didn't seem worth the squeeze here because I look at this slap on the wrist, what is this supposed to de-incentivize? The NCAA is trying to look, come out and look like they got teeth and trying to say other people, hey, we'll come and punish you. I'm seeing this and I'm going, bring it. You didn't do shit to the donor. You didn't do shit to the players, which thank God it seems like the NCAA is moving away from going punishment towards the players and usually punishing teams full of players that had nothing to do with certain situations, but nothing about this screams bite until you're actually willing to stand out and allege and say, Hey, that booster can't give money here anymore and really throw the gauntlet down. None of this seems like it's going to land, which makes this seem like even an even more fruitless endeavor.
1: Yeah. It feels like uh, somebody hiding behind their, their Twitter keyboard complaining about something. It's like, Okay, now the NCAA has showed their hand and their ass simultaneously saying that they're not a fan of women making money <laughs>
0: in NIL deals. Like, or not well, while they're in college. And that's how it can be perceived now. They've given people the freedom to see it that way based on their actions. And like, it's also interesting in this conversation because they've been paid. They got 3 million followers on social media between them. Day one, when name, image, and likeness laws went into effect in the college sports landscape, the Cavender twins were in Times Square as a part of multiple brand deals. Their picture was up on the billboards at Mm -hmm. Times Square. That's how big time they are like they had money in the way that we perceived NIL initially. Now NIL has become a backdoor for pay for play. There's no doubt. And the fundamental reason that I don't have beef with any of this stuff is because I love these players getting money. I think they're getting the money that they should get. So at the end of the day, you're never going, I don't think you're going to find a lot of people that agree with what the NCAA is doing in any of these, because I think by and large in a way that I never would have predicted when I started doing this job, it really seems like the tide has turned quickly on the way that people view this in the public light.
2: Totally. And, and I, and I think I wonder. part of me wonders if those two things have gone hand in hand with the rise of influencers as a profession and then it's like those two it's like the public was sort of more primed for it when it began to happen and the athletes became the influencers because it was so you know the Cavenders could have been influencers if they hadn't played basketball and it's just like those things are dovetailing really nicely in a way that I think it became impossible to stop these kids from accepting money because eventually they would have just been like well I'm gonna get paid more as an influencer so I'm just not gonna play for your school and it would, it would have completely, like the NIL had to happen and people are still mad about it.
0: They are Internally. because for so long. Well, and I mean, in the college sport landscape in general, the thing that I had always thought had held it back was jealousy, right? These athletes in so many people's mind because they're getting scholarships were viewed as having so much more than the general person that goes to college that even if we find out as we have that a bunch of them are worth even more than that. People looked at it as, well, why is there crying about not having enough? It's not about not having enough. It's about looking around at TV rights deals that are going to pay out the big 10, something to the tune of $75 million a school when this kicks in. And the constant rampage of rights talk that we have over college sports right now, it's that old line. I learned it by watching you like players looked up and they saw, hey, everybody else is making a shit ton of money doing all this why why can't we do that and enough people looked around and saw that and we like yeah no that's pretty messed up and on top of that us being able to throw cash this way helps state you whoever I support go out there and get the best players humanly possible I want my team to win because it makes me feel good so why wouldn't I support that instead of putting my name on some building now I can just have my name tied to whatever fund I donate to this collective
2: I think that's exactly right. It, it reminds me, I feel like the NCAA right now is the teacher in Ferris Bueller and all of the athletes are Ferris and Sloan and Cameron just having a day being like, yeah, I'm going to crash my dad's Porsche. What are you going to do about it? And the And the principal's like, you know, just looking for something to put any little thing that they can, you know, slap a ruler on some knuckles for.
0: And Charlotte, that is the perfect comp. Because you know what the moral is at the end, too? As they get away with all of that, as Ferris and his friends lie their way through that, is never once cooperate. Like, yeah! If and you Nobody just keep, snitched!
2: Nobody, nobody snitched!
0: And you were good. And that's really my other takeaway. In addition to, hey just watch how you do the messaging around this again let the NIL agents handle this let the people in these collectives that now you can have relationships with as the school handle this it requires you to do that work and have that trust because there is still some anxiety about these athletic departments having outsiders handling the recruits that these coaching staffs are working so hard to get I don't deny that that's a difficult part of this but on the player side you're going to see more and more agents pop up NIL agents legitimate ones for players that are. Are coming out of high school so you're going to have conduits from that but on the backside, should the NCAA come knocking at your door? As someone who personally had 12 wins vacated from their senior season when Notre Dame did cooperate with the NCAA on investigation despite having very few priors they have not given teams and schools a lot of incentive historically to actually cooperate and receive lenience on the other side they're trying to show that here saying look Miami cooperated we just gave the coach three games none of the kids got punished none of the boosters got punished we're all good here you can trust us I'm just here to tell you I don't think you can I think historically we've got enough examples of you not being able to and I don't think you want to be the first school that goes out on a limb trying to cooperate when you've done more than just have a picture with a dinner be the conversation cough cough Florida
1: Okay, well, I don't appreciate you guys spoiling Ferris Bueller's Day Out. Um, (laughs) Just wanted to say that. Open there. Um, But even with, and I hear you leaning towards Florida, Mike, because when it comes to the football side of things, I think a lot of these collectives that are funding these, like all the money that's going into it, is like they're looking at it like, well, this is a fraction of what this person is potentially going to make at the next level. Right, so like this is just like easing them into this. Where on the opposite side of that, in in women's basketball at the NCAA level, this is the time to capitalize on the most money they may ever make especially while in their sport and the fact that the ncaa is is proving that they are uncomfortable owning they already know that they can't police the space it's been talked about all season long while people have been playing football games and and winning said football games and money has been handed around, and people are working for duke's mayo and and uh this uh, milo sweet tea and x y and z And, and nothing has come out but now when the basketball, the women basketball players that are popular on TikTok, change schools, and they already have someone that they've sanctioned in Miami, who is already trying to switch up everything around Miami with money, it it just it's it's more than just a bad look. It it really does set something. Uh, it, it's it's setting something in the into
0: motion. What I will say as the one bit of pushback there is all the names you just talked about were some of the biggest in this conversation. Like if you were to word cloud, the NIL space being introduced to college football, John Ruiz and the Cavender twins are huge parts of it. I think it's dumb optically given what you got on the back end of it, but there is also that thought of, Word association, people have heard of everyone involved in this conversation. Miami Mm. as a school has been at the center of it, and the rest of this is going to be very hard for them to prove for the reasons that we talked to. It goes all the way back to your comment, Brandon. This was the low-hanging fruit. I don't think they should have taken it for exactly this reason, but this is the act of desperate people. They are desperate to try and find any way to be useful in their minds in this process, and this was their first stab at it.
2: I also do think that there is a level of um, subconscious let's say subconscious to be generous sexism and and, um, misogyny that does go into things like this and you know I've seen it in I see it so much in sports media where and, and that's partly why I so appreciate like you guys being on this show with you guys and feeling like we are goofing around having a good time because so many podcasts out there, it's like this this boys club that they it doesn't even occur to them that like women might be interested in being a part of the conversation. And so I think that it's so damaging in the sports world to have those sanctions come down on successful women, even if they are the biggest names, even if it is the... It, it's just like it's so insidious, right? It seeps through from from all sides of this sphere um in a way that i think is people especially in the sports world are are programmed more likely and not you guys and not a lot of people and hopefully not a lot of people listening but a lot of times people with power are acting on sort of archaic ideas of what this space quote should or has historically looked like and so i think yeah. that there are some knee-jerk reactions i i'm not saying that's what happened here i'm not saying that i've talked to anybody involved but i think that the subconscious um tide of that is is hard to also ignore
0: well like you said based on their history in general even based on the recent history we've talked about you have not earned the benefit of the doubt when these questions come up on these particular subjects if you are the NCAA. And so that's what you open yourself up to for something that I think is a comparatively small win, if you even want to call it that, for you in this process. There'll be a lot of other news on this. Um, Charlie Baker, I believe, is the name of the new president of the NCAA.
2: (laughs) Well, I was going to say the former governor of Massachusetts who, when I was at Boston.com, I covered a lot because I was doing local news. Um, And part of me did wonder, you know, is this a first, you know, putting a a flag on the moon? (laughs) Because I think that's really, that's what this landscape is right now. Um, It's about as well known as the rock that circles our planet. Um, (laughs) I wonder if this isn't like a little bit of a, there's a new sheriff in town.
0: I, I think a lot of it is when you look at what's gone on recently, A lot of the new conference commissioners have been plucked from the world of television, the world of gambling. Places as TV rights contracts are becoming the important parts of conference movement right now. You need that kind of leadership. I think for the NCAA, they know if they're going to get meaningful change in this area. And there's some documents from On3 that were getting floated around, memos that were uh, obtained... As to some of the goals, they're going to be political. They're going to be them having to get bills passed through Congress, through the House, and having a former politician as the head of the NCAA does not seem like an accident at this current juncture. So going to be lots more to come on this, I'm sure, as this is just the first bite of the apple for them. Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLID. Only on the DK Horse app. We've got actual football rules that are up right now for the NCAA panel. Um, The competition committee, uh, or whatever the college version of that, uh, is getting ready to meet this week to consider a few rules for the sport as well, which are very exciting. Running clock after a first down is awarded in college football, except in the last two minutes of the halves. Eliminating options for teams to call consecutive timeouts and carrying over fouls to next period they're going to start trying to speed these games up a little bit. Now, TV ads are still the greatest enemy to that, but I think any rule that makes this a little closer to the NFL rules-wise for players is always a benefit, one, for guys that are on job training for their NFL jobs in the future, but also keep this thing moving. Like, there is part of me that, as someone who's called college football games— at times, there can be a little bit of a drag. I'm glad they stopped short of keeping the clock running even after incompletions, which was floated and would have been insane. Yeah. But these rules seem like a really good halfway meeting point.
2: It was also interesting in, in seeing, you know, the the sources they that were quoted in in articles about this. It doesn't seem like anybody on the inside of college football is that against it. You know, I think unless they, unless it starts being. Rules, like you said, you know, like keeping the clock running at times where that's actually an insane thing to do or starting to mess with rules in ways that feel gimmicky almost. Um, I think that these these rules feel like they were designed not to just mess with the game for the sake of messing with it and changing stuff. I, I, I do feel like they were intentional about trying to maintain the integrity of the sport that we love watching while also being like okay like this is for player health too they're like we're not we're, we're trying to if we can take nine plays away from a game that's still better for these young men's bodies
0: yeah i i only believe that so far just because they did add more games in the college football playoff system oh, right. as i forgot that that's why they were they were like, they're well, trying to
2: cover their ass with like let's not add too many more injuries because of added time
0: exactly well, i think it will have like a a solid effect again having the clock run after even incompletions would have statistically had the biggest effect but i also think overall that would have been negative i saw a lot of people comment that you would have probably had some teams even lean more heavily on hurry up offense adding more plays then because they're trying to counteract the clock movement so i think this is the healthy alternative
1: but i also don't i don't have this data in front of me i never do uh, but I feel like in the last 10 years, <laughs> college football has probably changed more rules about their game than any other of these sports that we watch on a regular basis. Like, I, I feel like we're conditioned in college football that every year or every two years, there's a new rule that has to be uh, observed or, or followed. And... And it, it always kind of inches closer to the NFL game. And I think that's why everyone's okay with it. And also, you never really see anyone in, inside from the college football, when these rules come out, try to fight it or try to push it. It's more about drilling. It's the coaches' jobs to drill it into the player's head. Like how many palms up did you see for targeting the first four years after that rule got implemented?
0: Yeah, I I'd say I feel like targeting is probably the one that makes it feel like there's an outsized level of changes because so much of the focus has been on that. The changes in overtime that have happened recently after that Texas a LSU massive like seven <laughs> overtime game from a few years ago. But you're right in that the coaches are the ones that complain about this. You famously go back to Nick Saban asking for rules to be made about hurry-up offenses that had beat him, saying, is this what we want our game to be before he promptly turned his offense into the death machine that ruled college football. So again, all of Nick Saban's statements are warning shots.
2: Also <laughs> that's so true. Um, also the the idea that the rules are somehow catching up to the coaching. Is very interesting to me um, that you are either trying to do what Nick Saban was saying, he was saying, which is preserve something, or you are you are fitting rules to what is already happening. Um, is an interesting dynamic that that gets tossed into to this a little bit, and then for coaches to be like, okay, now how do we stay ahead of these rules, and then on
0: and on. It's all about control with these people, whether it comes to the NIL rules, whether it comes to the on-field stuff. These are control freaks that are in a system that right now has given them the least amount of control they have had in a long time. And everyone has been freaking out for the last couple of years. So we'll see how it keeps going forward. Um, Always enjoy talking a little college, but now we got to ask the important questions around this show. Like, Brandon, do you know what time it is? (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: We gonna see. We gonna see if the technology is gonna fight against me. But I think I'm ready. I think we're in business. Wow! How have I not done a good Charlotte day on a wilder Wednesday? Wow! Isn't it crazy? It's a new day, but it all feels old It's a good life, that's what I'm told But everything just all just feels the same In my school, it felt more to me Like a jail cell, a penitentiary But my time spent there all just made me sick I don't ever want to be like you I really want to do the things you do I'm never gonna hear the words you say Cause I don't ever wanna I, I don't, don't ever, ever wanna. wanna be you Don't wanna be the in and the third Saying if this is the anthem Throw all your hands at you This that and the third
0: Uh, go to college, a university Become a TikTok influencer. That's what they said to me. Ah, oh, <laughs> man. Thank
2: you so much, Bren, and that felt personal. <laughs> Guys, let me just tell you, but being in being in high school in the in the mid to late aughts, uh, no mid aughts. Oh my god, early to mid what aughts. What
0: is that? The aughts, 2000s. the two thousands. Oh my god! I just thought that I was in,
2: I thought I was in high school in the late aughts. I wasn't. It was it was two thousand four to two thousand. 2003 to 2007 yeah. I just the early I'm so much older than I thought of, Anyway um, Between Good Charlotte and Van Wilder um, My name Ooh. Was just like Boom 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 there, uh, <laughs> is, your, is your Middle name Van and like You know
0: Everyone making anyway, the same uh, very original joke
2: Yeah Which I sort of liked it made me feel um, Like You know if someone's making fun of you, it means they're sort of in, into it. In I was nice going to say,
0: on the, I mean, usually, back, now high school, maybe this wasn't the case, but if that had been like middle school, that would have probably meant they had a crush on you. That's usually how that yeah. game went, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I also think that I'm just someone who is very easy to make fun of. And so my whole life, I've just like, I take it as like a, a sign of in, someone is in, is endeared to me if they are, making fun of me in a nice way because I really just put it on a silver platter. So
0: that is true. Sicking up the T ball jokes, letting people hit them out of the park, a kind and loving friend, Charlotte. Most of the
2: time by accident. Thank you so much.
0: She is good. Charlotte, Um, as always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Gojo leave us a five-star rating and tell Brandon how much you enjoyed a trip back to early nineties or excuse me, early aughts. God, we're really struggling with decades here.
1: Listen, Mike, I want you to talk, go to the third, but where the hell did y'all learn this word aughts? Is it a Sesame Street episode I missed? Was it an SAT word? Like, no. I know I don't know words because I use them loosely from what I heard. I don't, <laughs> but,
2: Brandon, it's in like articles.
1: Yeah. Okay. It's a, It's like you okay.
2: read it, it's like it's like a written thing. People don't say it. I guess people say it. I'm
0: 33 so I, years old. I looked it I up on Wikipedia. New words. And it says in American English "aughts" or in British English "naughties," terms referring to the decade from 2000
2: to 2009. The
0: naughties—they sure were. Oh, the naughties! Naughties by nature sounds like a great (laughs) cover band name. Do you know that
2: they came to Naughty by Nature came to Colby College my freshman year, and I danced on stage with Naughty by Nature, and it was one of the greatest. I was obsessed when I was in like eighth grade and they can't, they showed up and I was just like, this is the best day of my life. You We're know what? At Gojo with- show
0: on Twitter. <laughs> what's the strangest act that no one would have expected that came and played at your college? Because I feel mm. like history is littered with pairings like that. The only time I've seen ludicrous in concert was at Fairfield university in Connecticut.
2: Yeah. Weird one.
0: Like does not make a whole <laughs> oh. lot of sense.
2: No, no, no. We had uh, we had Naughty by Nature, Slightly Stupid. Do you guys? Do oh, you yeah. <laughs> but they were just like at every college. Do you remember Girl Talk?
0: Yes. Oh, my God.
2: The, mm. All the mashups, that DJ, that random guy who'd like mashed up every single song you've
0: ever heard of. Oh, my God. We had Big Sean come to Notre Dame very early on in the Big Sean character arc. That awesome. was
1: that was actually he was less famous than Wiz Khalifa when he came through. We with had Wiz Khalifa too. That was that was but at, at, at Notre Dame it was very odd.
0: Yeah, very that's odd weirder To bring than the cushion
1: me. orange juice guy uh, to South Bend, but
0: at GoJo Show ridiculous. on Twitter, the best concert and college pairing that you can muster up, we will take them here. Let's get that this that third three quick stories to finish off the day on here, guys. Uh, coaches are at the combine and they are talking. And this is good relationship advice. I think just in general, because if your person is really your person, they will get out and they will publicly declare their love for the masses to hear. Take the Cincinnati Bengals. For example, there's been all these rumors after the season that T Higgins, one of their star receivers might be on the trade block. Cause at some point somebody can't get paid. Joe Burrow's going to be up for a deal soon. Jamar chase is going to be a guy that you got to pay up. But during The annual session at the Combine, team executive Duke Tobin refuted any notion that the team would be interested in shopping their standout receiver. He said, quote, if they want a receiver, go find your own. In my opinion, T. Higgins is in a good place for the Cincinnati Bengals. The trade stuff is a little ridiculous right now. That got to feel good to hear. Yeah, it does. It also
2: probably feels really shitty to hear in a few years when they have to trade.
1: Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> like, well, I just, I'm offering that as opposed to this about okay. Seahawks quarterback oh. Geno Smith. Oh. Because the Seahawks, who are still working to sign Geno Smith, also came out and said they're still going to look at the quarterbacks in this year's class. John hmm. Snyder on Tuesday described the co- contract talks as positive thus far. But said, quote, we are totally connected to the quarterbacks that are coming out. This is Pete Carroll now. This is a really huge opportunity for us. It's a rare opportunity. We've been drafting in the low 20s for such a long time. You just don't get a chance with these guys. So we're deeply involved with all that.
2: Yikes.
1: Okay. That's not even as bad as what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers GM just did. At, at, the, at, at the combine, I don't know if you guys heard, but he was singing playoff Lenny, Lenny Leonard Fournette's praises, saying that he has many years left if, if, with him at running back as a three down back in the NFL. And later on that day, they said they plan on release him March 15th.
0: Now, in fairness, I believe Leonard Fournette did come out and say that he asked for his release. So okay, it took okay. two to tango okay. there. Okay. We never know what's going on in everyone's marital bedroom, but I'm just saying again if your person's really your person they'll at least make themselves look dumb by yeah. lying on you publicly
2: Look, great. That's I think the most you can ask for in professional sports is for someone to say they love you and then prove it, and then the second most you can ask for is have someone say they love you and then make themselves look really really stupid while you get paid somewhere else
0: Exactly. You get to be the good person and you're still getting fistfuls of money on the other side. That seems like a fair trade. Yeah. yeah. But we also
1: realize that we are to believe zero things that any of these people say at yes, all times. Right. 100%. Right? Like, is that fair? Like, you, Mike, you said it feels good, but it's just, it feels good to the point where, like, yeah, MF or you better not, like, you better not let me find out some stuff out in the streets. Like, yes. It, it
2: feels good. It feels good in the sense that you have ammunition either way. I think right. is what it right. might not feel heartwarming, but it feels like another tool in your arsenal, if nothing
0: else. Right. As yeah. Brandon's favorite artist would say, "Tell me lies, make it sound good, make it sound good." Who's that? Drake. Oh my gosh! I figured you would know what your baby had to say.
1: Well, when he sings, sometimes I don't recognize his voice, but yeah, he's, he's, oh my sang god. That bar. Got your happy price, price line.
0: Um. This one I have some questions about. So spring training is getting started. We talked to Dallas Braden on the show yesterday. It's awesome. Ton of news, exciting stuff, pitch clock, banning the shift. Baseball's going crazy right now.
2: I love, for the record, <laughs> love the pitch clock. Uh, Obsessed with the pitch clock. Continue.
0: Do you want it to stay large like it is right now? Yes. A lot of people have talked about that being a little intimidating no. for the people on the mound.
2: No 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 I want it to st- I want it Can I say one quick thing about the pitch clock? Please. Great Please. episode with Dallas, but can-, can I just say one quick thing? Baseball to me is all about anxiety. Like, you are watching tension build slowly Mm. over nine innings, and they are now trying to make that tension build a little bit more quickly. And the pitch clock is the perfect encapsulation of baseball anxiety. I watch this thing, and I get heart palpitations. I can only imagine what it's like to be a pitcher or a batter who has to be set in the box before eight seconds. Like, what a weird number. Um, And so it just adds a little bit of chaos and more anxiety, and I want that... That's what makes me feel alive when I want baseball. And I want that anxiety to be as large as possible because it makes you feel something. Anyway, sorry, Michael. Continue.
0: No, I like the idea of baseball anxiety. That's the kind of anxiety a, that we don't it, need any sort of like help, medication, or therapy for.
2: Right. It's the only kind of anxiety that I don't have to pay somebody to help me deal with. So it's really, it's really because like, think about it. You watch the tension build and then there are guys on, and then like maybe you get a grand slam and that's the ultimate. Release of this horrible, like, ah, what's going on? And so the pitch clock is just like an absolute nightmare. And it is, it is, it is, it is a beautiful thing.
0: It's a nightmare dressed like a daydream. I am very yeah. excited for it. And I hope that as people have complained about wanting to make it smaller, Major League Baseball does that Twitter trope where it's like, for every hundred retweets, I'll make the pitch <laughs> clock even bigger until it's yes. the size of an entire outfield wall.
2: <laughs> yeah. Turn it into like, the sick go sign in Boston. Make that the pitch clock.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they keep the pitch clock on all 24 hours a day. It's incredible. Um, yeah. Speaking of pitch clocks in spring training, uh, in Bradenton, Florida, the Baltimore Orioles and the Pittsburgh Pirates played and finished out the end of their game without an umpire. There was no robo-ump there. There was no human-ump there. During the game, Baltimore ended up winning the game technically, or excuse me, John Lester from Baltimore grounded out at the end of the top of the ninth inning, and the Orioles were down 7-4. So in a normal game, game over. The umpires sprinted out of there, they're done. The managers, Derek Shelton for the Pirates and Brandon Hyde for Baltimore, came together and they decided they wanted to play out that last half inning here, get some work during spring training, and so they had their catcher, Call balls and strikes, kind of like you would in pickup here. My question is, is this like a union thing with the umpires where once the clock is done and punched, they're out of here and they're done? They've got so much going on that they couldn't stick around for a half inning in spring training where they're already at, enjoying time in Florida? I was a little confused by that.
1: I like it, Mike. I like it. If you've been in Florida, Bradenton, is, by the way, is my neighbor. Uh, Sarasota is where the Oilers... In their train, uh, spring training, the Pirates just recently got to braiding I think they were in a Cape Coral last year. This is this is just a home and home, very casual. Like bring your friend over and early dinners in 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 Florida, Mike. Like somebody's got they they had to be somewhere around four four thirty. They probably already broke bread the people they're meeting with. Yes, they had to get out of there because these games don't
0: matter. So I'm with the Umps on this one. I would also guess they're probably not getting paid extra for that half inning, which might be the most deeply relatable part about this. Like, y'all aren't paying overtime? Well, guess who ain't calling any more balls and strikes?
2: Yeah, I think that if I were an ump, I'd be like, okay, first off, you little clowns, you're the ones who've been talking about replacing me with that Mm. AI thing that turns everyone into an anime porno? No, thank you. So, if you're going to talk about me like that and say I'm so dispensable, you try playing half an inning without me. Mic drop.
0: Mm. That works until they actually replace them with that chat GT bot. Yeah, right. Exactly. But I'm I'm just saying, I I am so
2: anti-robot, you guys. I hate robots so much that I'm like, pay these umps. I don't care if they call things. Like, there's an art to the catcher moving the glove to be in the strike zone. Everyone's got to... It's just like a beautiful thing. I hate robots.
0: We're This is firmly along with, I can say this safely, the Greenlight Podcast with Chris Long, an anti-robot podcast yes. in all forms.
2: Yes. D- like vehemently anti-robot.
0: Exactly. So we have to stand for something or we'll fall for anything. And that's what we so probably pay the do umps. Here.
2: Pay the umps And don't <laughs> work if they don't pay you.
0: <laughs> pay the umps for the extra half inning, you cheap bastards. If that was really are the case, guys, I don't actually know if it was.
1: Are you guys prepared to be on the wrong side of history when robots become a race? And you
0: guys yeah, are, I you would rather have a robot. Bigoted. Yeah,
2: I would rather have a robot like laser me through the heart than join their ranks, Brandon.
0: I don't know if I would go that far. Like I would probably give up pretty quickly and just be a toaster or whatever they asked me to do as they reverse the roles here. Like if the robot I feel like that's just what's going to happen is the robots are going to come in and like, "Nah, you're in charge of keeping shit cold now." Yeah. But so what it's worth, I'd make I a great s- air fryer.
2: You- <laughs> I would definitely be like a a blender that's on the fritz <laughs> that only
0: works sometimes. Sorry, I'm feeling a little think- silly today.
2: <laughs> silly, blo- I, I just think I robots.
1: Sent- do you think robots would need dollies? Because I feel like that's probably be one of my like main functions. Like a push cart, just new, it would, it would just any like need things moved, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: Hey, you were a professional people mover for a while, and since people are going to be the new things in the robot revolution. Oh, damn. Yeah. I, can't go I just said too like many that.
2: things publicly that's anti-robot that I'm going to be one of the first to go, so I might as well go with my principles intact.
0: That is, sure. Honestly, that's a great way to think about that. Thank you. Let's go to the third and finish this thing off here. Um, so... A writer over at For The Win, Cody Woodruff, put out an article about taking his grandmother, his 85-year-old grandmother, to go see Cocaine Bear. Apparently, him and his grandma go see a lot of movies together. This had usually been a G or PG rating kind of experience, but grandma wanted to go see Cocaine Bear, so they went and saw Cocaine Bear, and they had a great time seeing Cocaine Bear, which is someone who's seen Cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear is a lot of fun, and I feel like I've said Cocaine Bear about 20 times in the last probably... Thirty seconds. So, all of this was great. That being said, it prompted. Oh, (laughs) jeez. I like how you soft launched that at first under your breath just to make sure you could get it before you revealed it to us. The question I wanted to ask you guys in honor of this was, what's the most uncomfortable experience that you've ever had going to the movies? Can be with friends, family, however it was. Did you have something that came to mind here? If not, I can filibuster with my answer.
2: I have one the first one that comes to mind was um going with my uncle and my like four younger cousins to see Wedding Crashers when the first the opening montage is just boobs, mm, yeah. and a it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a huge deal. Like we we all thought the movie we loved the movie, thought it was really funny. Uh, but I do remember in that moment just being like,
0: "Yay! A lot of boobs, a lot, a lot of, of boobs." boobs. <laughs> A lot, of, yeah.
1: a, lot of, a lot of breasticles. Um, yeah,
0: more... <laughs>
1: Jesus Christ. <laughs> what? There are a lot of breasticles in that movie. Um, I think I saw Horrible Bosses with my mom and little cousin and... Jennifer Anderson gets a little too racy in there like she gets she's she's really all up on Charlie Day's ass and it gets it's a little bit too soft soft core porny for me so now that was that was a little uncomfortable but that's the best I got
0: I could see that being a little bit uncomfortable that one makes a fair amount of sense it's horrible boss is a great movie but get, yes. it's always about context like the mm-hmm. example that I got from at cheese tweeted 22 which is incredible that cheese can now tweet I saw up. My grandmother had died the fall before. I was also on marijuana.
2: Oh, boy. Wow.
0: I mean, that's a tough one. I mean, that's the first scene.
1: Yeah, first first eight minutes probably very very uncomfortable. He,
0: say, he said he followed up and said once the initial scenes were over and done with, I settled in. But it's not a way to open a movie, and a friendly <laughs> reminder that Pixar does not make kids movies. They make adult movies with enough sounds and color to satisfy the children. So that it's makes, true. Ooh, I like that take. Uh, what was yours, Mike? Mine was Christmas Eve, whatever year Wolf of Wall Street came out.
2: God, I love that
0: movie. So, I enjoyed that movie also. But, when I saw that movie, I was sitting in between my sister and my grandmother. And so, to (laughs) open that movie when Leo was blowing coke off some girl's butt. Yeah. I was realizing what I was in cuz my family is not prude by any means. Like we were no. as right. a kid I was watching Austin Powers long before I should have ever known what the phrase do I make you horny means. That clearly was a harbinger of things to come with this podcast and Brandon. But so we went and saw that movie and Charlotte, it wasn't like you described where everyone liked it. My parents hated that movie. I could hear the audible disgust from them behind me. My grandmother was just silently sitting there taking this all in. And me and my sister could not even begin to hint that we were enjoying this movie because the tension in the room was high. But I had a great time with the movie. The worst part is we got out of that movie. My brother hadn't come. My brother was tired. We had just gotten back (laughs) home from school. And so my brother stayed home that night from the movie. My brother had one responsibility when he came home, which was take the Christmas ham out of the oven that my mom had been cooking. So when we get out of the movie theater, I text my brother and I'm like, all right, let's at least see how this ham is going here. I get no answer. I text Jake multiple times. No answers. I call Jake on the low from the backseat. No answers. So I know what's coming when we walk in the door. My parents are already at like a 7 or an 8 on the pissed off meter because of this movie. And we walk in and the first thing we see is my brother's head pop up from over the couch hair rattled like he just woke up after a 30 year nap my mom went over opened up that oven black cloud of smoke comes pouring out of there and my grandma who had just had to internalize all of that Leonardo DiCaprio drug use just looked at my brother shook her head in silence and walked upstairs to her room the night was over shut it down so
2: oh my god
0: that collective day is a core memory for me
2: that's a tough 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 sequence of events
0: oh it's it's a lot um some of the uh, some of the other good ones we got uh at schrechter sean says the wife and i went to see sausage party and a 10 to 12 year old sat right next to us with his grandmother how they stayed for 45 (laughs) minutes of that movie i'll never know that is one (laughs) of the most inappropriate movies i've ever seen so that grandma built different
2: i have not seen that i don't want to i'm gonna be honest
0: I haven't seen this movie. Nicole Arbach, our friend of the show and writer, senior writer at the Athletic, saw Black Swan with her dad. I've never seen Black Swan, but I do know essentially what it's about.
2: That that's a dark one. That's a weird. That
0: can I speak? Yeah,
2: there's there's some kinky stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I saw Black Swan in Sarasota when I was like in coming back from spring break some reason i was in sarasota the amount of old white people that walked out of that theater like in droves i was i was just shocked by i i understand it was very uncomfortable it's mike you haven't seen it no like it's a it's it's a it's a little gritty it's not like sexy it's like okay this is kind of hard to watch like like an artistic jackass if you will
2: (laughs) That's the best description. I have, never, I don't,
0: I have never heard anyone uh, liken it to that, but now it's really going to be interesting if I ever see that movie.
2: I would argue that Jackass is in and of itself artistic, but to each, to each his own.
0: Absolutely. 100%. Um, Dan uh, David Harton said, "I convinced my mom to take me to see He Got Game when I was 12 because it's a basketball movie. My God-fearing mother made me cover my face during the recruiting visit and the car ride with Big Time Willie. She never took me to an R-rated movie again. I am 36 years old.
2: Oh, uh, that's the good stuff.
0: Oh, uh, there's." There's so many good ones. This one honestly made me laugh. Blue Max MB said, The Shape of Water with my parents and uncle and younger cousin, whose age I couldn't remember at the time, but she was in college. My dad would have been so pissed if I had taken him to that movie purely because he hated that movie. Everyone else who sang that movie's praises during Oscar season and the like loved it. My dad, all he would stop doing is say, The Fishman! That's all he would call him was The Fishman <laughs> as he would publicly rage against that movie. So, I'm sure if my dad hears this now, somewhere a shiver's gonna go down his spine because he fucking hates The Fishman.
2: The Fishman. I didn't like The Fishman. I
0: couldn't watch The Fishman. It, it was just uh, weird when they had sex.
2: Yeah, I didn't I didn't make it that far. I was like, I feel like they're gonna <laughs> yeah. have sex and I don't want to see it.
1: It, 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 felt, it felt a little bit too Americas to me.
0: <laughs> we hope this they podcast didn't to be feel together. a little bit too america's for <laughs>
1: <laughs> they wasn't supposed to be together octavia spencer told her don't do this not even for love the the, the races are not supposed to mix oh. it's species in this case
0: come 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 for the silly goose juice that Charlotte drank off the top. Stay for the racial interpretation of the shape of water at the end of this podcast. You want dynamic, we're chameleons. Uh, if you enjoyed that dynamic podcast, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. Been slacking a little bit lately. I didn't want to get on anybody, but we slowed down a little bit. We're on our quest for a thousand, so let's get this right. Get back at it. I don't like having to come on here and raise my voice at all, so I'm not going to. I just do this because I love you guys, and I want you to say it back. You can also check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo with Mike Gola Jr. tab. Thanks so much. Thank you to Charlotte Wilder. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Boom. Money in the bank.